Would you would you prefer Bad Astra? <laughs> Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to the future, to Mots in 2020. I'm Stephen Robles. I'm Nate Baranowski. I thought I felt like you were going to come out of the gate with something like boom, bam, pop. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted you to direct the ship into 2020. Sometimes when I come in too hot, mm. I use non-English words and poor grammar. <laughs> you have the velvety voice that I want people to be mm. uh, ferried across. <laughs> the river 2019 into this river <laughs> be the ferry man for our podcast steven i feel like you use the river sticks as an analogy in every other episode i do at least every other yeah i do i mean it's a good analogy but still listeners i'm excited because it's a new year of mots it's a new decade mm. we're nearing our hundredth episode this is episode 88 nate 88 the year i was born mm. anyway i am very excited to do another year of Mots with you, Nate. And I'm excited for the future guests we're going to have, the future movies we're going to do. I can't wait to see Cats because it just looks terrible. It's going to be great. It's going to be so great. We're going to do the Cats episode kind of like how we did Aquaman, which usually leads to us really lambasting. Lambast. I really got to stop using a, a word that I don't know how to pronounce. No, no, no. It's fine. Let's use the term castigate. Oh, that sounds a little close to... Another straight word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Castigate is to reprimand someone severely. He was castigated for not setting a good example, says the dictionary. Oh, that, see, I'm going to mispronounce that one. Okay. I, I have a feeling I'm going to say something else. Uh huh. I would like to tell our listeners, first of all, thank you again for joining us for a new decade of Mots. We would love to hear from you. And if you have movie suggestions, we'd love to hear those. Again, as we discussed during our 2019 Movies All Year Round Awards. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we discussed this in Patreon, excuse me, which patreon.com slash movies on the side. You can support the show, get a bonus episode a week if it's your first time joining us. Just want to let you know about that. There's a lot of content there. A lot of content. Right. Let us know. You can comment on our Instagram at movies on the side or email us podcast at movies on the side.com. We'd love to hear about it. But we're jumping in to 2020. It's the future. It is the future. We're watching a sci-fi futuristic movie this week. Called Ad Sadstra. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Would you, would you prefer Bad Astra? <laughs> or as my father called it, Ad Nauseam. <laughs> Did you have all those puns planned? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, it's a new day. I'm prepped for this. Dad Trasta. No. <laughs> we... <laughs> We did. We did the 2019 movie starring Brad Pitt, Ad Astra. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, did that title ever appear in the movie? I don't think so. What even is that? What is Ad Astra? I believe it's To the Stars. Oh, is it like Latin? Is it like one of those? Uh, it's like Latin. Yeah. It's less commonly called Ad Astra per Aspera. Ah. Th but just Ad Astra. It's to the Stars. Oh. Okay, so it's Latin. Very good. Well, we are doing a sci-fi movie because it's the future. Mm -hmm. And so we did Ad Astra. And Nate, let me ask you, mm -hmm. what is your relationship with sci-fi movies? Do you like them? Do you choose to watch them? I do. Mm -hmm. I do like them. But they are not top. They're in the bottom half of the genres that I enjoy. Uh, I would take several other genres before watching a sci-fi movie. But you would watch it before... War movies. A scary movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, you would watch it before war movies. 
I would watch it before war movies, but war movies are super low. I would say at the bottom of my list of genres are horror would be at the bottom. Right. right. I think war movies are above that. And then maybe sci-fi. Okay. But there are many things above it. Action, adventure, romantic comedies, regular comedies. And at the top are Rachel McAdams movies. The top are Rachel McAdams movies, preferably in action adventures. Ah, yes. Time travel movies are up there. Yes, those are definitely up there. I like sci-fi movies. I like Interstellar. I like Gravity. You know, all those kinds of things. This one, I didn't have much context for. I knew it starred Brad Pitt. But one of the things we... Just to give a little inside baseball to the listeners, we're trying to see what's popular on streaming as we record. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those mm-hmm. uh, top streaming movies right now. And so that's why we did it. This movie's Rotten Tomatoes are a little confusing to me. Mm-hmm. This movie got 84% critic score. Mm-hmm. But the audience satisfaction, despite being the heartthrob Brad Pitt starring in this movie, it got 40% rating. Steven, we have a lot to go into on this episode because... I'm a bit confused Mm. about the movie we just watched. (laughs) Okay. I think it will bring about some great discussion about what movies are supposed to be. Ah, okay. Take the reins, Stephen. Well, I would just say, if you've not seen the movie, I don't know if you need to see it to listen to this episode, because (laughs) the conversation might be more interesting. But basically, Brad Pitt is an astronaut, and this is the future. And humans have traveled all the way to Mars and beyond, which is somewhat interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, stuff is happening, a la the core, where there's some electrical uh, impulses attacking the Earth. Sure. And come to find out, it is a spaceship called the Lima Project that was sent far away by Neptune, manned by Brad Pitt's father, Mm -hmm. Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. He's apparently gone off the rails and has done something to create these disturbances. And so it is Brad Pitt's job now to go out there and stop him. And that is the premise for the movie. Let's talk about Brad Pitt. (sighs) Okay. I like Brad Pitt in a lot of movies, which we will discuss in Mm -hmm. our top five. Mm -hmm. I feel like he did a passable job in this movie, but I'll tell you what I did not appreciate was the ongoing voiceover that Brad Pitt would speak. Ooh, okay. I recall how we used to watch black and white movies together and musicals were your favorite. I remember you tutoring me in math. I felt like at times it allowed some retrospection. At other times, it was basically just him voice-overing what he was experiencing in the moment. And I thought to myself, well, let me just, just watch him do this thing. Why do I have to hear him do it and see him do it? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I disagree with you but I hear what you were saying. I think the voiceover was important. Mm. And here's why. Brad Pitt's character, what's his name? Roy? Roy McBride. Roy is such a stoic, little robotic of a character. And that's what he's supposed to be. He is not Matt Damon in The Martian, as much as I wanted it to be Mm. like that. Right. That's not his character. And that's part of his whole character growth, is he is someone who just does his work, right? Uh, keeps his heart rate below 88 or whatever, even when he's falling to his, <laughs> right. almost to his death. Right. He is so, in some ways, boring as a character. Right. I thought the voiceover was a good peek into his mind. His mind is different right. than what he says out loud. Getting a little bit more emotional from the voiceover helped me slightly connect with Brad Pitt. Not all the way. We'll get to how I didn't connect with it. Right. 
but I think it helped a little bit. Okay. It gave some storyline, but I feel like that's one of the failures of the movie is it couldn't give us that story on screen. Basically had to be him talking about it. For mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. this movie proclaims to star Liv Tyler, which I was <laughs> I was looking forward to seeing her in this movie. Yep. And I feel like she's on screen all but 30 whole seconds flashbacks okay, throughout. Is, yes. She's not yes, in this movie. Steven, all right. You got me going here. Now we're ready. Liv Tyler. <laughs> right. For the first 45 minutes, I thought to myself, is she going to talk in this movie? Because I don't think she talks for a while. I think she just kind of is on a screen in a picture here and there in flashbacks, right, dream-like sequences. She does say something later in some recording. But Liv Tyler either wasn't around that much for this recording or they didn't want her to play a big role. I found it a, a waste of Liv Tyler. Maybe they just thought, oh, you've been in Armageddon. You've been in a space movie. You'll know how this goes. What are you thinking about? So I agree. And here's the thing. This is why one of the things in the voiceover bothered me is all we needed was one extended flashback. You know, I would have liked two more flashbacks. One with Brad Pitt and Liv Tyler. You'd like this movie to be longer is what you're saying. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying (laughs) give me 30 seconds less of the baboon eating the guy's face. Give me 30 seconds less of that. (laughs) And give me 30 seconds of Brad Pitt and Liv Tyler in love because they obviously got married at some point. Mm -hmm. Give me 30 seconds of that. And then give me 30 seconds of them arguing about how he's never around or how he's never mentally there. The only plot of that part of the story that we get is in his voiceover. And the only thing we see is Liv Tyler walking out of the house one time and closing the door a little hard. That's all we see of Liv Tyler's relationship with Brad Pitt. I'm going to put on my director hat. Mm -hmm. Here's what I would have done differently. Yes. Because I'm completely with you. Yeah. Here's what I would have done. I loved the way the beginning of the movie treated Liv Tyler because it's from Brad Pitt's perspective. So when it comes to flashbacks of her, he was so engaged with work and what the mission was, he didn't really pay attention to her at all. So I kind of, I liked the fact that, okay, she's silent. There's a scene in his memory of her walking out the door and he's not right. even really facing her. Right. I like that because it shows like he was never engaged. Right. She was just on the peripheral. He couldn't even remember some of the words she was saying. That is cool. But as a director, I would have had, as he kind of comes to grips with one, his own emotion, two, the way he's like his father and doesn't want to be, right. and three, the fact that he's walled everyone off and now needs to open himself up to love, life, and other mysteries. <laughs> live, laugh, and love. Live, laugh, and love. I would have liked him to either remember more of her, their conversations right. and see the ways that he did not love her well or see the ways that he actually wanted to be with her and love her more. And there was more Liv Tyler flashbacks later on in the movie as he comes to grips and becomes less robotic and more in touch with right. his feelings. I, I Yeah, I could have just used, like you're saying, more of those. Because we also, ha- I actually watched this with my wife. We, we both watched the whole thing together. She thought it was okay. It was unclear for a long time. Are they still married? Are they not married? The movie never really explicitly says, except for in the board meeting that Brad Pitt goes into early on and they tell him all the classified information. They say, you've been married once, no kids. That seems to be the only clue to the fact that they are divorced. I wish there, were, there was more to that. I think it would have made it a better movie. Agreed. I completely agree. There were a lot of other characters that I could have also have used more of. 
this movie is an art house movie and not a modern blockbuster movie. Correct. I think if I had known that going into it and known just appreciate it like you were going to the planetarium to watch a show on a galaxy. If I had yeah. gone into it with that expectation, that would have helped a little bit more. I'm so used to the interstellar. Even gravity was artsy, but it still had a lot of action built into it. It was for the greater populace. Yeah. Right. This is not. This movie is not that at all. Right. So I know a lot of it is artistic choices about Brad Pitt's solo. He doesn't really have connections, so they didn't want to make all these other side characters more connected. But the way that they come in and out of the movie made me feel like they had other parts that were then written out. Oh, for sure. For example, I looked to see if Donald Sutherland was still alive. Oh. He plays Snow in Hunger Games. <laughs> I thought he was going to play a bigger role in this movie. Yeah. And then he had just kind of a heart issue and said, well, I can't go with you on this journey. And then he said, okay, check to see if he uh, survived surgery. Yeah, he's doing okay. They're, we're checking on him. He never comes back into this movie. Nope. We never see Donald Sutherland again. I, I thought, well, maybe he walked off the set. He didn't want to be a part of it anymore. But my other explanation was maybe he died and they had to kind of Princess Leia him through the rest of the movie. Like, well, right. he had heart problems and he had to leave. But he didn't. <laughs> he still he didn't. He was gone. And, and the woman at Mars is like, yep, bad stuff's going to happen to me. I helped you. Right. Uh, goodbye. Right. And like Donald Sutherland's character, it could have been a good movie long character where you wonder, mm -hmm. is he going to stab Brad Pitt in the back? Is he actually here to help him? That would have been a good thing. But when you just leave him there on the moon, it's like, oh, I don't have to wonder about him anymore. Yeah. Why is why was I ever supposed to care about him? Everyone was a plot device to give right. Brad Pitt more info about the Lima Project right. or about his dad. Right. And then they disappear. It's like an NPC in a video game that comes up and says... <laughs> Traveler, proceed to the checkpoint just across this ridge. Be careful. There will be danger and baboons. Right, right. And then when you turn around, they're gone. They disappear because they, they said they're one line. Yes. So let me give a positive here. I do think this movie has some interesting action sequences or intense, suspenseful sequences. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see Brad Pitt's super calm character in those environments. Yes. Yes. Those are interesting. One of my favorite moments is when the ship that he's on is about to land on Mars. Yes. Agreed. There's an issue. Yeah. And the captain totally freezes and Brad Pitt's like, I'm taking over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just, and totally it does the baller move and lands it perfectly. Like those scenes were fun to see him in. Right. Or him falling from that giant space antenna. Yes. And talking about how he needs to slow down his spin so he doesn't black out. Yes, that was cool. And let me speak a little bit about the technology. This movie has some interesting tech around it. Mm -hmm. The whole space antenna thing is interesting, but also like the devices. There's multiple times where we see a Google Home type device on a nightstand that's just a screen. Right. Like it's just glass. There's several handheld devices like tablets and phone type things. And they're all just pieces of glass. Right. Like there's nothing around them that's just straight glass which i find interesting that seems plausible right it seems plausible there's also a concept video i'll send to you i might have sent it to you before but i'll put it in show notes of a company that dreamt what displays might be in the future right and it's kind of like this like it's just glass i do wonder 
being so transparent, would it be hard to read text? Mm, sure. Completely opaque, or can it solidify? So that's kind of an interesting question. Right. You have to increase the opacity in some areas, right? Another part I thought was interesting, and I'd like your thoughts on it, is the whole commercial flying to the moon. Yes. Where they tell Brad Pitt he's going to fly to the moon commercially, meaning anyone could just yes. get up and do this. And it's like an airport. <laughs> when he's on the space shuttle, he asks for a blanket and pillow. Yep. Which is $125, according to the flight stewardess. Yes. I thought that was interesting. And also when he lands on the moon, he's going through the terminal and we see two companies that get their brand dropped. <laughs> Do you remember? Do they want their brand dropped in this movie? It is Subway and what's that shipping? DHL? Yeah, DHL and Subway get dropped. They Do they want to be in this? As the character is basically saying, like, my dad would tear this all down if he saw the commercialization of the moon. Ooh. Then we see these two brands. If you work at Subway, are you happy that you're in this? That is true. You know what? I don't think you care. I mean, if Brad Pitt and Donald Sutherland are walking by your logo, you're, you're fine. I don't think it matters okay. what they're okay. saying. Got it. You don't mind being part of a dystopian future. Yeah. Are you fresh? <laughs> so anyway, I thought that stuff was interesting. Concepts that I found super interesting. The commercial flight to the moon and how it's as normal as just getting on a flight to Europe. Right. It's like that amount of excitement for the passengers. Yeah. I thought the Lunar Wars could have had its own movie. Mm, the idea yes. that there were these rovers like and pirates on the moon. Absolutely. Give me that movie. It's like the Wild West out there. It's your first time in the war zone. I didn't need them to go any further. I didn't care about the great expanse of space. I just wanted to know about people fighting for land on the moon. And are they mining something? Right. Super cool. Also, the way that they did Mars made me never want to go to Mars. <laughs> Do not put red lights all up and down your hallways if you're on Mars. <laughs> Why not just put regular lights? You don't have to show that you're in this. I found it so annoying. And then these screens that are supposed to be like, pleasant the peaceful comfort room oh my goodness it's like yeah. the most garish flowers and uh, a swarm of angry flesh-eating birds like relax in here as we surround you i know it's supposed to be kind of dystopian and not actually feel good but if you have the technology to get to mars you have a hollow deck that you can definitely like hang out in and do some super mario levels <laughs> as super mario right you know what i'm saying yeah, those rooms look terrifying to me, especially the ones that had like animals in it. I'm like, this is like oh. this is Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I would be so scared <laughs> in that room. Yeah, there was one time where it's like flowers all around, but they're like eight feet tall and they're huge <laughs> and they're really bright colors. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like, no, this is seizure inducing, not comfort inducing. Yeah, that, that was, those are very strange. But I agree, like the coloring, I could see that they were going for the interesting environmental color like you can just tell like they colored the film differently right once he landed on mars and like i get that but it was also like extremely red and it's like yeah i don't think mars is the place to be so here's what this movie did to us around that time yeah it started making me think is this all a dream is this all sinking into madness oh uh, but right. i was starting to feel the way brad pitt was starting to feel one not enjoying this movie as much anymore this is pretty like yeah not as fun, but two, maybe this is all real. And this is when I start thinking about what are the plots, like um, twists that are about to come, what kind of conspiracies about the space organization are we going to be like revealed? Is Donald right. Sutherland going to come back? How many wild baboons are going to be? 
in this movie. We got to talk about that. <laughs> so, okay. During this time of the movie, did you have a thought? Because I turned and I watched this with my parents, my brother, yeah. and my wife. We were all on the couch together watching this movie. I paused it at some point in time during this movie and said, yes or no, are there going to be aliens in this movie? It was split about 50-50. I think there were three yeses, two noes. I was a no. But it was around this time of the movie I thought, maybe there will be aliens, maybe not. But I'm trying to guess the twist at this point in time. What did you think at this point in time in the movie? When they encounter the baboon ship, mm-hmm. like be- before he actually went into the ship and they just saw like the mayday right. signal from the ship, I was 50-50. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. 50, it could be aliens, 50 something else. And it could go either way. Because that's like 90% of space movies <laughs> when the alien shows up is because there's a mayday sure. you know, from some ship sure. and whatever. So I was, I was 50-50. I really was not sure. But after that scene, I was like, there's not going to be any aliens in this movie. Okay, baboon scene. Two more things. Okay. How did you feel about when he arrives on Mars, there's like this harried lady that's, I guess she's like checking people in. <laughs> did you, do you remember yeah. that lady? <laughs> yeah. What was she doing in this movie? <laughs> she, she, she basically has like a clipboard and like a, like a spreadsheet of names that she's like checking people in. I said, what is this lady doing here? This is Mars. I don't understand what is happening. It was a fun choice. It kind of made it like, look, this is just a boring clerical job. <laughs> Basically, any people in here. government-run position, like a TSA right. agent, this is what's going to happen even in the future. This is what it will be, but Mars, right. Yeah. Before he leaves Mars, the lady helps him, to, and he sneaks onto the rocket ship. I can get down with space travel, but this seems so implausible that he can like go in a subway tunnel and crawl up a ladder and get into this spaceship? Go through a lake, an underwater lake in the darkness, which gave me some kind of claustrophobic scary vibes in there when he's following that rope through there. Absolutely. But yeah, when he was underneath the spaceship, my thought was, if it is in launch mode, right, and you are an intergalactic futuristic spaceship, you're not just going to have a hatch no. down at the bottom for any Joe Schmo to climb in, right? No, that leads all the way to the cockpit too. Like, I don't, I don't think so. That leads from where the fire's coming out in the thrusters. Yeah, that he climbs up like inside of it, and then it goes off like immediately after. I feel like totally implausible, at, even for a sci-fi movie. But anyway, also I think during blastoff, shouldn't he be like plastered to some metal in there or? Yeah, you would think, or like holding You're on. You're not in your seat. <laughs> holding on for dear life, I would think, or something. Yeah. Anyway, and then once he gets into the ship to where the crew is, now this is the same crew that he just flew right. to Mars with. And basically, Command tells the crew, because again, in this point in the movie, Brad Pitt has actually been able, they've been sending messages to Brad Pitt's father, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And something happens and they say they tell brad pitt oh uh you're not doing this anymore you're too emotionally connected right and he figures out that they probably heard back from his dad so that's why he wants to continue on but anyway when he sneaks onto the ship and the command tells the crew to neutralize brad pitt Mm -hmm. one guy pulls out a knife immediately and like tries to kill him and brad pitt is repeating over and over again like listen i'm not a threat i don't mean to hurt you i'm like surely they could have said, hey, just strap yourself in over there or like, hey, tie yourself up uh, so we can yeah, trust if you. If you're not here to hurt us, you better tie yourself into this, like handcuff yourself right? and sit here. Otherwise, we are going to straight up get you. Or maybe don't let him into the cockpit and just like put him in a, another chamber that he can't, I don't know. 
suddenly it just seemed to escalate so quickly. And then all that whole crew dies. Everybody dies because yeah, that's the, there's that connection there with his dad and how he's like, much like his dad, death is kind of surrounding him. Yeah. So because of the mission. Yeah. I felt weird about it. They just got weird. It got weird. It did get weird in that part. Yeah. Uh, so the baboon scene, they stop to rescue the ship because there's a mayday signal. They go into the ship and there's apparently two crazy baboons that have escaped confinement. Here's how it's filmed. <laughs> Slow motion. <sighs> we'll have to talk about the music here in a second. Yes. A lot of boom, 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 boom. Slow movement around the corner of the hallway. It's like, okay, this is, we're meant for a jump scare coming up soon or some sort of right. scary, disturbing imagery. This is when I'm glad it's a PG-13 movie because, yes. you know, it can't be too bad. Right. But I look about one foot left of the TV during that time to use my peripheral yeah, yeah, yeah. specialized in order to see what's <laughs> happening. I said to my family at this point in time in the movie, maybe it's werewolves. <laughs> I wasn't that far off. <laughs> werewolves. Never has a werewolf guess on a spaceship been as close to what actually happens yet because, yes, baboons appear in space. So they, they say that this vessel was some animal experimentation vessel. Yes. Which is why yes. there's baboons on it. But these baboons are literally terrifying. They're great. I love them. <laughs> you like, you like I the love them. They have no, no point in this. There's no point of this whole scene, this whole thing in the movie What's the point of this, Stephen? And I can tell you the one point is this. I won't even let you answer. The okay. one point is this. Mm -hmm. They needed to kill off the captain so that the scared captain would be the new crew that goes to eliminate his father. I guess. Yeah. Because if the old captain was there, he wouldn't need to go along and try to sneak on. The only reason he's sneaking on is because he believes that the scared captain won't be able to nuke his dad from <laughs> Neptune. Or he, maybe he wants to save his dad, too. Yeah, I guess. But like that's the whole the whole reason for this mayday thing. It has no point to anything. Yeah, it's just so they could kill this captain. I think it was just to put some baboon. It was just to put CG baboons in space <laughs> and give you give you some action. You know what I mean? Do you think on the storyboard they're like, all right, what do we? This guy, this artist, drew some baboons <laughs> in this ship. Do we need to put this in? Yeah, director loves it. Now, how can we make the plot work so that he goes and finds a baboon? Are you sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. Director really wants it. Oh, no. An executive producer. Ah, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. It was strange. He really loves some baboons. Maybe Brad, Pitt, yes. maybe Brad Pitt wanted to battle a baboon. Maybe that was it. Oh, like a Hollywood checklist. Like a bucket list. Yeah, he's like, there's not enough action in this movie. I got to battle a baboon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> was that your Brad Pitt impression? <laughs> no, no, he was turning into a mobster uh, as I was doing Oh, okay. <laughs> Love it. All right. The music you just mentioned a moment ago. Yes. Tell me. I, I thought about you a lot while watching this movie. I came to the realization that one of the reasons why I like sci-fi movies mm -hmm. is I actually, I enjoy the music. There are times that, mm. not, not so much the sparse like little plinks and plunks here and there, but mm -hmm. when there's kind of that cinematic orchestral space vibe, uh -huh. I like those, yes. those parts. A real Carl Sagan. Yes. And I actually, like, I've listened to the soundtrack of Interstellar because I actually enjoy that music. Mm -hmm. And there were times in this movie where I enjoyed it. So I like that feeling of soundtrack. There was a lot of different stuff going on musically in this movie. 
a lot of different because sometimes it kind of felt like an 8-bit nintendo game yeah whatever synth they were using in there and other times it had the swelling really grand sound right i liked the grand stuff another word about sound so neil degrasse tyson has ruined me for space movies Mm -hmm. because in space there is no sound Mm -hmm. there is no air for sound waves to travel on so if anything Mm -hmm. happens in space it is completely silent right the only sound that would be acceptable would be the breathing inside the helmet or talking between people Mm -hmm. right some movies do this better than others this movie was like 50 50. sometimes they would have scenes with explosions like the nuclear explosion at the end you don't hear it it's just silent which is great right there's other scenes like when brad pitt like jumps back to his ship in the final scene and he's holding the metal piece as a shield we hear little pieces of asteroids hitting the metal yes the sound was touch or go touch and go sound was, t- sound was touch a go just want to point that out but i i'm fine with it you know it's it's a movie it's fun we get to brad pitt traveling for 78 days to neptune mm-hmm. where his father's ship is supposedly puts in his own feeding tube into his stomach which <laughs> oogie so here's the th- oh, here's the thing with the feeding tube. I had the expectation where maybe he's going to go into some hypersleep, right? Some right coma thing for for three months, and that's why he needs the feeding tube. But then the movie shows him like waking up every single day. Yep. Like, why do you need a feeding tube? Just mm. eat. That seemed totally un- unnecessary. Yeah. Why wasn't he in cryosleep? I don't know. I was ready for that too. Yeah. It is maddening that he doesn't really do much during that time, and he kind of sinks into madness a little bit more. Right, and that's one of those voiceover moments where it's like, listen, just show him like picking his own fingernails or something. We don't need to hear him talk. Well, when he gets there, I thought there would be more impact of him like having kind of lost it a little bit through the journey. Then we get to the scene with his dad, and he's completely normal. Right, he's able to fly that little spaceship to the other one, no problem. Yeah, like yeah. Now, now let me ask you this real life question. Yes, this movie is giving you this idea that if you are alone for 78 days with no other human contact, that you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do, do you think that you yourself would actually go crazy yes. in that amount of time? Yes. I think, yes. Not if I was on this earth and got to be in nature, no. But I think trapped in a spaceship mm-hmm. with not a whole lot of stimuli and not having fresh air and ways to roam about and use your body absolutely yes probably give me uh 15 days i'd be done for Hmm. do you you think you 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 think you'd be fine don't you i so as we were watching this i turned to my wife and i was like 78 days that doesn't seem like that long (laughs) long of a time (laughs) my wife looked at me and she was like are you kidding it's like no what's the big deal and then she just kind of rolled her eyes steven you're trying to, one of your New Year's resolutions is spending one hour outside in kind of solitude. And you're thinking like, oh man, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to this. I think if you spent 12 hours in a row and you didn't have your phone, you didn't have anything to listen to, and it was just in silence for 12 hours, I think you'd have a rough go. But when I buy you the sensory deprivation as part of the reward, yeah, we'll uh, Patreon listeners, you can go listen to our Patreon episode to see why I'm going to maybe buy Stephen a sensory deprivation experience. Yes. We'll see how you do. That's true. After an hour. <laughs> yeah, now that you mentioned that, it sounds terrifying. But anyway, okay. <laughs> so he gets to his dad's ship mm-hmm. by Neptune. Mm-hmm. 
I appreciated the little montage of him flying by Saturn and Jupiter and all that. Mm-hmm. So he gets to his dad's ship. He goes in the ship and he finds his dad, Tommy Lee Jones. Yep. And they have this father and son conversation. And Tommy Lee Jones comes across as very, I mean, he explicitly tells Brad Pitt, like, I don't care about you. I didn't care about your mom. <laughs> yep. All I cared about was the mission. Right. He just flat out states it. I don't know what kind of corner we call this. It's not romance corner. Is this dad corner? <laughs> is this, is yes. this a familial relationship corner? Yes. How did, how did you feel about this exchange interaction relationship with the two of them? I think if I was Brad Pitt, when he said all of those things, and I see my old dad who's been gone for most of my life right. telling me, I, didn't re- I never really cared about you. I'm just out here doing my thing. By the way, I killed the rest of my crew because they wanted to turn back and go home. And I'm still on this mission. I would have flipped the nuclear package to armed. Yeah. And I would have said, all right, have a good day. I will be going now. (laughs) See you later. Thanks, Dad. I'm out. You wouldn't have tried to bring him back with you or convince him to leave, which Brad Pitt does. I mean... If I would have brought him back to me, with me, here's what I would have done. I would have knocked him over the head. Right. Because I'm a middle-aged, strong Brad Pitt, and he's an old, feeble Tommy Lee Jones. Apparently, they struggle in the air, which... Yeah. Anyway, I would have been like, I will take your unconscious self back to me. Or I would have brought some sort of trank with me. And now you're going to sleep because I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> and I would have brought him back, not because I wanted to be with him, but because I wanted to prove that he was alive. Mm. And okay, Stephen, what, what would you have done? Because then I have bigger questions. I don't know, because then they have this moment that they try to interject where Tommy Lee Jones looks at Brad Pitt and says, I missed out on the best flight partner I ever could have had or something. Or like I was robbed of having the best a compatriot and and it's supposed to be this moment where he right because he said basically you're like me right well i think it's, it means a lot to tommy lee jones but brad pitt realizes like well i don't want to be like my dad if my dad's proud of me that's actually a bad sign <laughs> it means that like i'm broken he sees in me just the desire to do the mission right exactly <laughs> yeah. being praised for your brokenness is probably not great i i don't know i mean with the knowledge that then later tommy lee jones tries to like he he refuses to go back and like jettisons himself away <laughs> for some reason doesn't unhook himself from Brad Pitt first like why are you trying to take your son with you if you just want to like i would have just left him on the ship i would have been like listen dad yep this thing is going to blow up in 20 minutes you can come back with me or not but i'm leaving right. and tommy lee jones would have started like ranting and raving about stuff and i would, you just you just leave just go back go back to your ship right the idea that he got tommy lee jones out of there Put him in... Slowly put him in an astronaut suit. Tommy Lee Jones does a great job in this role of just being kind of unhinged. Right. As you would be after being many years and focusing only on the mission. Yeah. How does he have booster power? I mean, like I would have, like Han Solo, Frozen in Carbonite, I would have just shoved his body out into space and be like, <laughs> I'm going to push you around like a cart. Your suit can't move. I disengage all of it. You can breathe. And now we'll push you back to the ship. You're basically going back as a prisoner. They fight for a while, and then Tommy Lee Jones says, Indiana, let it go. And I'm like, let me, <laughs> let me go, Roy. Let me go, Roy. He says, let me go, like, 15 times. He unhooks, kind of like, it's supposed to be artful. Exactly. It's supposed to be like, I don't know, like, this is their connection, and they're, it's very artsy. 
Yeah. At this point in time, I didn't care if either of them floated off into space and credits roll. <laughs> like, that would have been fine. The nuke goes off because nuclear weapons solve everything in, in these movies. It's restarted mm-hmm. the core of the Earth and the core. That's, and it's right. apparently the thing that's producing antimatter and that's hurting the Earth. Apparently, if you just blow it up with a nuke, everything's fine. Yep, totally fine. Mm-hmm. Sure. Totally fine. I was I didn't care about either of them. I was ready to just okay. They're going to float off, become little specks, and then then it says like Ed Astra, we're all stardust now. <laughs> Credits roll. But it doesn't. Tommy Lee Jones floats off into the great beyond. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, for a second I thought that Brad Pitt saw aliens. He did not. They were just glowing rocks from Oh, yeah. From the rings. Yeah. <laughs> He gets back to the ship, and then I need you to, to describe this to me in as much a scientific way as you can. In order to get back to the Earth, he points his ship in the right direction and uses the nuclear blast to propel him back to Earth? Yeah, that's right. Explain this to me. Well, it's, it seemed like his ship had some fuel because he like started the thrusters and started going in that direction. And I guess maybe he just needed the blast to push him faster. So, because here's the thing about space that I do know. No friction. Right. So once you reach a velocity, you will travel that velocity until you hit something or you slow yourself down with propulsion. Sure. So it's unclear, like, if the ship had enough fuel without the blast. Like, they never say, oh, we don't have enough fuel to make it back. Neither the crew nor there, is there any plot set up to say they only, this is a one-way trip. So I don't know why. So he didn't need to use the nuclear blast. It's unclear. Like he says he's going to because he seems to need to, but it's unclear why. So I don't, I don't, maybe he just wanted to get back faster so he didn't go crazy again. That's like, that was my thought. How long did it take him to get back? Well, it's unclear. Like it says it takes seven, it took 78, <laughs> 73 days to get out there. Right. I just thought like, oh, did he just make it back in 30 minutes? I thought the ending was fine, but after I learned that there was no huge plot twist, right, and really the ending was just him now knowing he needs other people and relationships and open his heart up to love, right. the greatest of space weapons is love <laughs> the whole time. Is that a song? Nope. Well, it will be now when I write. <laughs> Love the great space weapon. Love colon the great space weapon. A power ballad. Mm, That's good. Like a nuclear blast through the sky. Oh, that's good. Love like a star will not die. Anyway, stars do die. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. So. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. He gets back and we see Liv Tyler. They meet up again. Do we? So I guess we're supposed to believe that, yeah. She walks into the, like he's at a bar or something and she walks in. It was fine. But I have issues with the ending of this movie and here's this Mm -hmm. these are them this is these i was ready for a plot twist that never came at the end this movie is about a man who goes to find his father who was never a great dad he goes and finds his dad tries to help his dad his dad doesn't want to be helped and then he blows up where his dad worked (laughs) yeah that is this movie and he learns that he's kind of like his dad but he doesn't want to be right what I really cared about were lunar wars, space baboons, <laughs> the Mars colony and how that all works. Yeah. Those terrible peace comforting rooms. Right. 
is the space agency that sent him, are they bad? Because Donald Sutherland says before he unceremoniously leaves this movie, (laughs) what you're about to find out is very dangerous. And once you know it, you can't unknow it. That kind of sentiment. Right. The fact that his dad killed the rest of the crew and the company doesn't want to show that their hero basically became a, a maddened villain. Right. Covers it up and pretends like he's dead. That's the conspiracy? Right. We did that to Christopher Columbus. <laughs> That's like normal. Are they a bad organization? Because it just sounds like he comes back. He does not in trouble for killing that crew accidentally or whatever i was expecting him to like get pulled out of that space capsule and get arrested right like you know i thought that is unresolved and i guess him sitting at a bar means he's free so yeah and and spacecom that organization donald sutherland makes it seem like right they don't trust you so in turn you should not trust them you shouldn't trust them but they're not really bad are they i mean like i guess they are like for their own sake they covered up the fact that his dad was alive and a murderer Right. I don't know. Are they bad? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not pro Spacecom, but I guess <laughs> the only bad thing they did was not tell Brad Pitt his dad was alive after they received some message from him. I mean, as an organization, yeah, it'd be hard to trust Brad Pitt to take out his own dad if he really is crazy out there, you know. Right. I don't so I don't know. Steven, is this a good movie? Or is this a bad movie? It's really hard to tell. I I don't think it's a bad movie because I've seen some bad sci-fi movies and I don't think it's bad. Is it good? Well, well, I think we have to rate this movie to decide if it's good or not. Okay, let's do it. Nate, on a scale of zero to five planets. Planets. Like something yeah. you can hold in your hand. I was really trying to find something else, but everything else is just like, I mean, with zero to five feeding tubes, zero to five baboons. That felt kind of funny. <laughs> You know, it's zero to five uh, comfort chambers. Let's do that. Okay. Wonderful. I feel like this movie has low replay value. Like, I'm not going to watch this movie again. There's not great morals to the story. I mean, the moral... What is the moral, Nate? Moral corner. Welcome to moral corner. I think what the moral is, you are naturally going to be like your parents or experience the same downfall that your parents do. Right. Unless you actively attempt to try to improve yeah he was like idolizing his dad he wanted to be like his dad and by the end of it he was realizing the path my dad took actually leads to kind of a miserable life out by neptune by yourself right and i think maybe another moral would be that achieving something even if you do achieve it will not bring the fulfillment that you're looking for and that actually has to come from other people Mm. like in how you love other people and treat other people and like spending time with the people you love and like actually caring for them. Like even if Tommy Lee Jones had found an alien, what then? Right. You know, like his quest would not end. He would either look for more or be, he would be disappointed in what he finds. So again, like I think another moral is just like fulfillment is not going to come from achieving that thing in the natural, whether it's the work and being an EGOT, it's something like that. Oh, it's like spoke to your very soul. Right. I think that is, absolutely accurate i would say a smaller third moral man we're finding more morals in this story the third moral which i think was the most profound thing for me is that brad pitt looks at all his dad's findings and sees while he was looking for aliens he found these beautiful planets right and took these wonderful pictures of these other worlds and brad pitt said something in a voiceover about how he missed what was right in front of him because he was looking for something else 
and it kind of gave the the moral of the story of there is beauty and wonder that's around us all the time that we miss because we're focused on finding or looking for a specific thing. Kind of life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Right. So in the final scenes, he also has this line where he's doing another like psychological evaluation. Mm -hmm. And he says, I will be attentive to the exclusion of all else. And in that, when he says that in the final moments, it's when Liv Tyler walks into the, the bar and he is implying that he will be attentive to her to the exclusion of all else. Where at the beginning of the movie, he was attentive to the mission right. to the exclusion of all else, like his family and Liv Tyler. Where Tommy Lee Jones was attentive to his sole purpose of finding extraterrestrial life to the exclusion of all the other beauty he found, to your point. Mm, correct attention. Yes, I like that. That does speak to me personally. Like I do see that as meaningful as a meaningful idea, something to actually think about. Mm. I like that. Man, that, that really actually kind of helped my view of this movie a little bit as we talked about those. Yeah, it does. And like, I, again, this is not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. I don't want to start 2020 with a decimal review, okay. with a decimal rating. So I think I'm going to give this movie three comfort chambers. I'm going to give it three. I think don't pay to rent this because actually right now you actually have to pay to watch it. Mm -hmm. I think once this thing comes out on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or something like... Because it will. Yeah, it definitely will. Watch it then. I think it's interesting. Think about the morals that maybe we pulled out better than the movie did. (laughs) (laughs) Think about those when you watch it. But it was was fine. It was a fine movie. My wife stayed awake through the whole thing. That's impressive. Yeah, that's, that's high praise, you know. So I'll give it a three. All right, I'm going to give Ad Astra two comfort chambers. Mm -hmm. This, if you're going to watch it, you need to go into it with a specific mindset and expectation. Yeah. Don't think so much about being entertained. Well, it does have some entertaining parts, but for the most part, go into it the same way you would go into watching a documentary with kind of that level of patience, more of an intellectual thinking about, oh, this would be an interesting future. Versus just like, oh, what a fun story. It is not a fun story. Like I said before, the plot is simplistic and just about finding your dad. Uh, like we pulled out, there are some morals there. I would not call it entertaining. I don't want to watch this movie ever again. Right. So it falls down the ratings for me. It's not bad. I think Brad Pitt's performance is actually re- very good. I think Tommy Lee Jones was awesome in this movie i thought he played yeah he did well. even through the recordings and his kind of scary eyes oh yeah about people opposing him on the missions was really good yeah but overall it was disappointing as a movie for me i understand why critics yeah. and audience members disagree because i think if you wanted to like pick over this movie with a fine-tooth comb you could find some fun symbolism like examining an art piece. Right. Like looking at an Andy Warhol Campbell soup piece, you could say, wow, there's a lot of (laughs) stuff there beneath the stamps of Campbell's soup. But if you come to a museum and you want to be awed and you don't want to like delve into it more, this Ad Astra is is an Andy Warhol piece. Yes. I will say, you just mentioned Tommy Lee Jones' scary eyes. As he gets older, Mm -hmm. he could definitely play some really creepy roles. (laughs) If he wanted to. Right. Right. Because he looks dis- he looks disturbed in some of those shots. <laughs> Indeed. For our new listeners, we do a top five most episodes, uh, sometimes related to the movie, sometimes not. But today we're going to do our top five Brad Pitt 
movies. This We have not done this before. Mm-hmm. I have a couple caveats, Nate. Okay. There are a number of movies I have not seen that star Brad Pitt that would probably be on my list. Yes. Quickly, they are, for me, I have not seen Fight Club, believe it or not. I have mm-hmm. not seen Fury, the war movie. Mm-hmm. I have not mm-hmm. seen Inglorious Bastards, which is another war movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And I have not finished seeing World War Z. Okay. So I have not seen those movies, so they did not make my list. I have also not seen Inglorious Bastards, Fury. I never saw Meet Joe Black. Mm. And I never saw Allied, which I don't think Allied was a particularly good movie. But there are quite a few that I haven't seen, and that is actually talking about movies like fury which i believe has shia labeouf and tanks and all that stuff yeah it really puts me in the place where i understand i don't really like watching war movies Mm. but i want to like to watch war movies interesting i still haven't seen dunkirk and i'm a big christopher nolan fan there's that 1917 movie that's a bunch of trailers are coming out for yeah i want to see them but when it comes time to pick a movie I'll never pick a war movie. So getting to see them is difficult. (laughs) What is it about war movies that you don't think you like or that push you away from them? I usually like them when I watch them. I don't know. I just don't. When I sit down to watch a movie, I just don't think that I'm like, man, I can't wait to see some war happen. And I love action movies. So it's not about like violence or anything. I think it's just about seeing a bunch of troops in a muddy trench can be maybe a downer to me. Yeah, it definitely can be. Have you ever seen like The Hurt Locker? Nope. That's where I'm at. I have a lot of war movies I still need to watch. We'll say that. We'll have to do some on the show. This way you'll, okay. you'll have to watch them. Sure. Well, do you have any honorable mentions, Nate? Yes, I do. My honorable mentions are Moneyball. Have you ever seen that movie? I have. And Burn After Reading, which is, I believe is a Coen Brothers movie where he plays more of a cameo role of this goofy workout instructor. But he's great in it. Okay. And it was funny you mentioned it. Moneyball is in my honorable mentions as well. Oh, very nice. All right. I'm, I'm going to ask you this real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it really fast so no one can understand it. Mm, okay. Do you have the Curious Case of Benjamin Button in your top five? No, but I've seen it. Okay. I don't either. I have a very odd relationship with Benjamin Button. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. I went in when it was daytime. I left the theater when it was dark outside. And I felt like I lived five lifetimes while watching <laughs> said movie. And I, to this day, I don't know if I really, really like that movie or really, really don't like it. But I think I've seen it now like three times in my life. So it's not, did not make my top five, but I'm so, I'm always intrigued by it. It is definitely an interesting movie. I've seen it only once because it was, I mean, it's a weird movie. It's weird. Yeah, it's not your normal. But I like the whole premise and the idea is interesting. Mm-hmm. And the problems that it causes. So I would have to see it again to really judge it. Mm -hmm. But I also don't have a desire to see it again. So Yep. Okay. What's your number five, Nate? My number five is Troy. Mm -hmm. Troy, super rewatchable. It's a guilty pleasure movie. It doesn't have a ton of like high class kind of bits to it. But it's about honor and war and love. This is the kind of war movie I like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Brad Pitt as Achilles is fantastic. And his fight against Hector, top-notch scene. So Troy is my number five. All right, well, my number five is Seven, starring Kevin Spacey and Morgan Freeman. Never seen it. Oh. I know the the phrase, what's in the box? Yeah, yeah. 
What's in the box? That's the ending. I mean, it is a troubling movie. Don't get me wrong. It's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is a good movie. I mean, and Brad Pitt does well in that movie. So it's my number five. Uh, Let me also just mention in passing, I just... IMDb seven because uh-huh. uh, I wanted to look something up about it. It has a seven in the yeah. It's it's bad. Yeah, well, well, there's that. But <laughs> I just saw that Mission Impossible Seven has an IMDb. <gasps> it is coming out 2021, and it stars Rebecca Ferguson and Tom yes. Cruise once yes. again. Yes, so I am very excited for that. Me, you, Mission Impossible Seven, months 2021. Yes. Anyway, that's all. My number four is Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. I watched this movie on my very first date with my now wife. Wow. In the year 2005. In the year of our Lord. In the year of our Lord, 2005. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I love this movie. I, I, it is so fun. It makes no sense. They're trying to kill each other. But they have like romantic chemistry during it. It is mm-hmm. weird. He's perfect in it. Him and Angelina Jolie are perfect in it. Mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's just a great movie in my eyes. Rose colored glasses. Maybe we can watch it mm-hmm. this year. I think that's a great idea. I own it on DVD. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> okay. Well, my number four is Troy. I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's great. Number three for me is Fight Club. Okay. It is much, I'm guessing like seven. It has some intense slash disturbing elements to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know like the concept of it. I don't want to give it away for those who don't, but his role in it is amazing. I think him and Edward Norton together are quite good. It's a movie that stuck with me after I watched it the first time. And I haven't seen it since. And I watched it maybe in college. Hmm. So Fight Club, number three. I've been meaning to see it because I know it's, um, it's good. All right. Well, my number three is Meet Joe Black. I have seen that movie. Oh, I'm glad you've seen it. Okay, good. Yes, with Anthony Hopkins. It is a long movie, but it was very good. Brad Pitt's character is very interesting in that movie. Yeah, it was impressionable. It's a good movie. You should watch it sometime. Okay. My number two is Ocean's Eleven. Mm. I didn't. I am not including Oceans Twelve or Thirteen because 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 <laughs> for the amount of screen time he actually gets in it, it's actually not that much of a screen time for Brad Pitt. He just oh, lives that role. I think that was at his height of just I can stand here eating a sandwich and project enough coolness and self satisfaction and just yes. I own this place. Yes. That you're just like, man, how are you so cool while eating a grilled cheese? Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, my number two, let me tell me if you recognize the song. Is this for Mr. and Mrs. Smith? That's the song that plays in the final scene of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes. Shooting up. That. I thought it was. <laughs> yes, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is my number two. <laughs> I love that movie too. I love it. That movie is so good. Even that song in the last fight scene stuck with me for so long that it is in my iTunes library from like years ago. That movie's so good, but it is not like critically good. Are you sure? Is it not critically acclaimed? Look up that Rotten Tomatoes while I I wax poetically about my number one. Okay, go ahead. Number one, 
Brad Pitt movie. This is a little weird for me, but it's World War Z. I was wondering. That's... I really, really liked World War Z. Hmm. I only saw it once. I probably needed to see it again. I'm not a huge zombie person. Right. The stacking of zombies, however, is in like kind of hive formation mm-hmm. is incredible. I wish Brad Pitt did more movies like this. I think Tom Cruise kind of stole it from him. Mm. I'm guessing they like are were both approached for different movies like this. Brad Pitt as someone who is kind of a hero, obviously ruggedly handsome, but not like super strong. He's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's kind of an everyman, but everyman plus. Right. So he's perfect in stuff like this. In but like Tom Cruise sort of gets the everyman plus award in the War of the Worlds and other disaster movies. So, but I think Brad Pitt in World War Z is great, and I believe if I remember correctly, he wears a lot of cool scarves in that movie <laughs> and some Henleys. So, oh yeah, the Henleys. Whenever I see a hero wear a style like that, I think you're a cool dude. I've seen half of that movie and I enjoyed it. I just I need to see the second half. You see the front half? I forget what it was. I, I might have been in the cardio cinema. Honestly, okay. I think that's what it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Rotten Tomatoes for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes. 59, 58. 59% critic score, 58 right. audience score. And I love it like an 85, to be honest. Yeah, I do. Same. I do too. We should do it for the show. Okay. All right. Well, my number one is Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. again, like we talked about his character and who he is in that movie is just awesome. And the movie itself. It's so enjoyable. So many fond memories of that movie. So. Indeed. Can I say something quick about Brad Pitt since we've had a very Brad Pitt heavy episode? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's his movie in this top five. Uh-huh. I like as Brad Pitt gets older and especially as they highlight a bunch of his below his eyes bags. <laughs> right. And it's kind of as his face ages. Yeah. To me, Brad, this is going to sound weird. Brad Pitt becomes more approachable because he's not super, super, super handsome. Right. In some of the scenes in this movie, he looks just like a good-looking middle-aged person, but someone I'd like walk past on the streets and I wouldn't like take a second turn. Where before, yeah, young Brad Pitt, you'd be like, "Well, this guy, I've never seen someone like this dude just walking the streets. Like this guy's super, super handsome." So I think he's more approachable now. So I'm excited for the next stage of Brad Pitt's career when he's a little bit more grizzled, older, doesn't have to play a heartthrob. <laughs> I mean, men have it better in Hollywood, probably, because they're actually allowed to age and get bags under their eyes. But that's, that's right. a rant for another day. But I'm excited for the next part of his career as he gets older. Yeah, I agree. Well, welcome to 2020, listeners. <laughs> Steven, get out of the module. You're being attacked by aliens. Do you hear that? The airlock has been disengaged. The airlock has been disengaged.